0: Welcome to the Adventist City Ministries podcast. I am Andrew, and it's my co-host, Jeff. across the table from
1: me. Hi, Hi, Andrew. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. You know, we don't really talk about other things we're involved with. We haven't really told people what we do outside of ministry. Right. What do you do, Jeff?
1: Yeah, my uh, profession is I'm a dentist. I'm in my 30th year of practice. That's my vocation. Of course, my avocation is Jesus Christ. So uh, I've learned to use my practice of dentistry to allow me to do as much ministry as possible.
0: And I myself do freelance graphic design, among other creative things and pursuits. All the music that you're hearing on this podcast I've produced as well, so that's a little side hobby of mine.
1: And we're both involved with uh, Simplicity Urban Ministry in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We've been doing that for a little while yet. And uh, God's growing our, our work. We had a great day. Today's Sabbath. And I don't know, poor Andrew had about 15 kids in a room by himself. And, uh, and then I got to speak to the adults. It was a pretty exciting day.
0: Yeah, it went well. We had a little lesson about the Good Samaritan, and the kids were eager to learn and talk and play around. So lots of energy in the room.
1: Yeah, when you begin to open yourself to the Lord and uh, allow the gospel that we've been talking about to work its way in your ministry, uh, you begin to have really great experiences in outreach ministry because you're allowing that to kind of be the perfume of your life. I think today the ratio, our ratio was about four to one, you know, people from the community to people who are baptized members, and that's pretty exciting. It's an exciting dynamic to explore and to uh, enjoy. I just praise God for it. It's wonderful. Yeah,
0: I had a really great time with the kids. Amen. Yeah, So let's just review a
1: little bit about what we've been
0: going through. So we talked about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and how his righteousness is what we need ultimately because we can't gain it from inner strength or a source inside of us. But when we reject the way that the plan that God has for us, it just creates this downward slope of uh, descending into sin. And it's something that compounds. And, but if we allow God to work in our lives and allow him to, to love us, then we actually have access to something far greater than we could ever accomplish on our own.
1: Yeah. In fact, the, the Apostle Paul, if you wanted to really kind of bring it together, he really defines the gospel or the thing that we want to share with People as the righteousness of God—that's the word he uses—and by that, I think Paul, what Paul is saying is that it's—it's it's a righteousness that's all God's doing. It's every—you know—it's all His doing. He planned it, He fulfilled it in His Son Jesus Christ, and that, of course, what makes all the difference in the world because now that—that that, uh, as we move into belief that God has done this through the life, and death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's made available to his, his righteousness. In other words, he has the, the, thing, the very thing that we need to enter into his rest or to enter into heaven, and that is to have the righteousness of God he offers through his son, Jesus Christ, and his life.
0: Yeah, so there's this legal process that happens in Romans 3 that it describes how when we come to Christ, there's this change that happens in us. And a big point of it is that there's, there's nothing that we can do about it because it's not about how we are strong, but how, how God is, is strong. It's through this process of faith and believing that
1: what God has provided for us is enough. Yeah, not just enough. It's incredible. It's incredible what God has done on our behalf. And there are some things that, like, uh, there are some questions that need to be answered, particularly with. Why is God allowed to do this in in the scope of the universe? Because if you stop and think about it, God said, you know, the wages of sin is death. And so how does he answer the question now, you know, as to how he saves us legally, if that's the law of the universe or the law of God, that the wages of sin, the soul that sins shall die? Verses like that, that suggest that There's something that has to be uh, legally met. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today in the context of the good news. I like
0: to think of it in terms of God sees that we have this issue in our lives. We're going to eventually die because that is the wages of sin. And so he looks at us and says, oh, I love these people. I love my creation. And so I
1: need to do something for them. He has a solution for us. Yeah, God felt compelled because of that's who he is, right? 1 John 4:16. God is love. It's the very essence of his being. So he felt compelled to be make a path for us so that we could be reconciled, we could be together again with him. This great plan that he's made. You know, we're just exploring uh, light parts of the of, of it, but we have access to the fullness of God because of what he's done through his son Jesus Christ. So
0: essentially God looks at our situation and how do I allow these people to live? What's the path that I need to take in order for their condition to be removed from them? How do I allow that condition of sin to pass away but yet maintain or give them life? There's a legal process
1: that needs to happen. And there's definitely uh, legal terminology that Paul uses in Romans that help us to understand specifically what that process, how it's laid out. And the, the, the first word, of course, that comes to mind is something that we often banter about is the word justify or just. I have a story to tell about that because my grandfather was a printer. He, he um, had the old printing press where you had to uh, set the typeset.
0: Yeah, the, the letter press where they were cast from metal and right. they dropped down and And I
1: still have some of those old letters and eagles and different things that he would have to use to make uh, ads back in the day. But he would use something, a tool when he set the type called a justifier. Uh, And basically what the justifier did, it would take all those letters and it would sort of like a square, it would bring them all together and tight so that the the, the text was set straight. It's sort of like what God is trying to do with us, you know, in terms of our our condition. Is somehow He's trying to, because righteousness is the determinant for us to be uh, be able to enter into heaven. Um, he's trying to find a way to set us straight, so that we can receive the righteousness of Christ, that that it becomes ours, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to start with Romans 3, verses 24 through 26. I'll just read it to you, and then we'll go from there. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So, God is looking to be just. He wants to be the justifier. He's noticed that all these words are being used in different tenses and capacities, but he's also applying the fact that as we believe through faith in Jesus Christ that we are justified, that's amazing, Uh, in terms of how God has determined to make things right. So this is still about the righteousness of Christ, though. And I want to just point out from this text, there's three things about the righteousness of Christ that we can learn. And the first one is it justifies us. The righteousness of Christ is actually what justifies us.
0: So let's look at the word justified. Mm -hmm. When we break down the meaning there's usually two answers that I expect people to say. The first one is that, oh, well, God makes us righteous. And then the second reply is usually it's God declaring us to be righteous.
1: Right. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty easy for us to determine in and of ourselves that just as we move on into belief and we receive the the uh, righteousness of Christ into our lives, the gospel of Jesus Christ into our lives, that even though God, the the Bible says we're justified, it doesn't mean that we've been made righteous, so to speak.
0: Because that would be implying that you, in and of yourself, know how to do all good. Right. There is
1: a part of God's plan that he will talk about another time where he is actually trying to change who we are and that's through his Holy Spirit. But what we're talking about right now is, is the, the process of bringing us back into fellowship with God and his, and, and, and that part of it is he, he has, in order for that to occur, we need to be righteous, and, 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 and that righteousness is declared upon us because of our belief in, in the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: So being declared righteous is actually a lot better than saying being made righteous, at least when we don't know Christ and we're coming into that relationship. That's correct, yeah. Being made righteous, it implies that we are already doing things correctly and through uh, the righteousness of God, but that's, that's not our condition. Our condition is that there is no one that is good and everybody has has fallen short of the glory of God. That's right. And so to be declared righteous is God saying to somebody in that condition, "No, even though you are a sinner and that you've broken the law of love is that you I'm saying that that's not who you are anymore
1: Yes, and, and the reason for that is, is because uh, Jesus came and fu- you know, fulfilled all the demands of the law, so to speak He, he, he was born a human being, our brother and took on our nature, lived a sinless life uh, with regards to the law. He died a, the second death that wasn't his to die, and then he was resurrected again and, and abides with the Father in heaven. He did that on our behalf as our brother. God says, okay, now that history, that holy history of Christ, if you believe that God has done this for you because of his great love for you, now that history becomes your history. So when God looks at us as we believe, he declares you or looks upon you as if you are righteous because of the life of Jesus.
0: Yeah, I like, I like the idea that our life is kind of like this movie script, and Jesus takes it and says, oh, these, these parts are poorly written. And so I'm going to throw this out. Here, you get the script of my life and who I am, and that's what you get to now claim.
1: Yeah, God can declare us righteous because of his righteousness. It, it's the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ that is uh, the issue here. It's, it's uh, the righteousness of God justifies us through his son, Jesus Christ. His righteousness is in Christ. Christ's life and his, his full manifestation here on earth becomes our holy history now. And so God looks at us as if we are Jesus
0: and that can be difficult for some people because here's this newfound existence that was never a reality before and so coming from that state of maybe thinking oh i'm worthless and you know what what good am i or even the extreme of that oh i'm i'm so wonderful and great and i don't need god but then if they understand this wonderful truth then it's a burden off of us because it's no longer us trying to be good and wholesome through our own strength, but allowing the reality of the gospel to, to take effect in our lives. And then we can understand how, how much better it is than just our own ability to, to be righteous because it, you know, otherwise it's just a futile existence.
1: Yeah, I think that most people who are listening can relate to the idea of the futility of trying to become righteous in, in and of ourselves. I mean, it's just try working on a small sin at some point in your life and putting it away, and it seems like an impossibility, and many people just throw up their hands and say, it can't be done. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the reality is, is that we're trying to learn here today is that it, it can't be done. That's true, but it has been done. It has been done in Jesus Christ, and that is a gift to us in terms of our our position before God and 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 in the judgment that is to come. Our position is now that God sees us as righteous. And that's what because of what Jesus has done and that's the very essence of that legal term that we're kind of uh, bantering about justifying. He, he can justify calling us righteous because of what Jesus has accomplished as our brother. So that's the first thing that uh, one of the facts of, that I wanted us to consider is that the righteousness of Christ, the truth is, is it's the righteousness of Christ that justifies us. The, the next one coming from the verse is it says it was done freely or it's free by his grace. Uh, we're going to see later in Romans chapter 5 that, that it says the timing of this in our lives is significant as well. In other words, some people think that in order to be recipients of life of Christ being attributed to us that we need to change our lives dramatically in order to be worthy of it so to speak but the romans 5 will later speak of it it'll say that uh is that while we were enemies we were reconciled to god by the, the death of the son and so so this is something that god does uh because we have if you're enemies that means you're still estranged from god and we're we're going to spend some time on that but uh we we are uh God comes to us where we're at and offers this salvation to us and and it's it's such a dramatic expression of his love to us uh, through his son Jesus Christ that it begins to change
0: who we are. It's wonderful because this is something that God offers to everybody. In the previous verse in verse 23 it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then just after that I know some bibles translate it but we are freely justified through Jesus Christ. So it's, the implication is that there's a contrast that everybody has sinned, but there is hope for everybody because this gift of justification isn't just for the people who are able to accept it, but it's actually for the entire human race because Amen. God yes. wants to pour out his love on all people. There's a
1: universal notion to what God is doing on our behalf here. And we've got to take hold of that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is not uh, we, we, the, this activity of God with regards to what he's doing in justification. is just sort of a unilateral thing. Like he, this is what God does objectively uh, for us, in order to save us uh, through His Son Jesus Christ, and 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 we react to it subjectively. Don't get get me wrong. There is a subjective reaction, but that subjective reaction is, I say, yes, I believe that.
0: Right. Everybody ha- at some point has to accept it or or wrestle with the the implications of of what the gospel is
1: and what it isn't is God saying to us first i need you to shape up and change your ways and then i will justify you that's not what he's saying it's this is a this is his a historical uh, narrative of what god has done through his son jesus christ to save the world from their sin
0: right yeah we can think of verses where it says that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world so that's this right. this was something that was not just planned but active and because it was active in God's mind, that meant it was going to come to pass, and it was a sure thing. And so for us in these New Testament times and in, in, in this era, we, we look back to the cross, but for those in the Old Testament before Christ, they look forward to it. It was just as real for them as it is for us.
1: Yeah, the third thing I'd like to talk about, because it says that this was accomplished through the redemption that is in, G- in Christ Jesus. And, Andrew, you and I like to talk about the something called the in Christ motif, where we're kind of tucked. Everything now that we know that Jesus' whole very, his history is ours, we're kind of tucked into that history as we say yes to him and as we believe in what he's done on our behalf. I kind of would like to just talk a little bit about what redemption means in terms of what it's saying here in the Bible. For example, if you if you read the New Testament through, you would discover that there's lots of things that were redeemed from. And first off, redeemed literally means to be ransomed from something that you're under. You know, in other words, you're it's uh, it's an escape from something that is holding you down. But in the New Testament, if you look at Hebrews chapter 2, you see that we've been redeemed from the devil. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that we've been redeemed from death. Or Romans 6, we're redeemed from sin. But here in what Paul is talking to us about in terms of legal justification, in terms of what justification does, is it says we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Which is a big deal because the law is what's at you know at stake here. The laws suggest that because of what we've done, because of the sin that is in us, that we're subject to us, to death. But we've been because of our justification, we've been now uh, set free from that curse. And that's amazing. Most of us walk around, you know, worried about, about death. Uh, as you get older, it, that worry becomes more and more <laughs> apparent and you start to count, uh, wow, you know, am I going to live another 20 or 30 years or what? what is it going to be? But now in Christ Jesus, I don't, uh, you know, I'm getting older. I'm in my, uh, the second half of my fifties and I don't really worry about it as much because I know that the eternal life that Jesus offers to us begins the day that you accept Jesus as your personal savior. That is to say, I might sleep in him, but I know I have assurance because of what Christ has done on my behalf, that I have eternal life. And so it, you know, I can't, I can't even look how far into the future God has plans for me because it's throughout the ages to come. That's good
0: news. In Ephesians, it talks about all the blessings that we have in Christ, how they're all the, the positive. Rejections of all those things we've been rescued from. So we've been rescued from sin. We've been rescued from unrighteousness and ungodliness. The gospel just gives us a a clear picture of how much a a better life it is with Christ, because it 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 is life, Mm. and what Jesus has for us is something that the world cannot offer. It's it's not it's not like anything that we could ever Imagine, because we're so used to, uh, like you said, death, and you know, expecting. You know, we expect people to die. We expect people to to transition and you know move into different parts of their life. But with Christ, there is a hope because even even that person who who just simply says, "I'm going to trust what Jesus has for me and trust that His life, the story of who He is, is now mine." At that point, we, we move into this new experience. Uh, it's an experience of an abundant life. It's an experience of, of something beyond our imagination. You know, we, we don't really know what heaven is actually like. We've been given glimpses of it, but we can praise God because he's rescued us from, from wrath and being separated from him. At that point, we get to, to move into a new experience. Yeah,
1: and what's exciting about this new experience, as we're explaining and understanding it here today, is, is that I, as I move forward in my relationship with God and with Jesus Christ, the reality of my justification never changes. It's always what God has done on my behalf, and so I don't have to fall back and start worrying, uh, you know, there, there, there's going to be times when I make mistakes, but I must realize that as uh, because of what Jesus has done on my behalf, that I have some assurance in the process. Like I, I don't have to worry about it because we're going to talk about the rest of the process. It's not. This is just a singular look at this first phase, but that I can have assurance in knowing that what God has done in His Son Jesus Christ is is uh, circumscribed by what, by what Jesus said on the cross when He said, "It is finished." And that is to say. The redemption of humanity is complete in me, and it's made available to me each and every day as I move forward, and I never have to begin to fall back and trusting in my own behaviors, so to speak, to realize that I'm in God's favor, because Jesus always is in his Father's favor because of the life that he lived and because he is righteous. And so, because his history is now my history, his holy life is my holy history, I can come to the Father and say, thank you, Lord, that uh, Jesus is in my place and that when you look at me, you see him. That's a blessing, Andrew. That's a wonderful blessing to us.
0: The the question will come up about, well, can I lose my salvation and well, I think we have to address that question in a little bit different way because we have this concept of justification and Jesus says that he has he's done it for everybody. Paul mentions how this is something that is universal. So we we can't actually lose our justification because it is already an objective fact that Jesus accomplished it on the cross. But for those who don't want to accept it, there's loss in that sense. Because if you can come to understand it at some level, but then you reject what the, the gift of God is, it's a gift, you know, it's something that you need to accept in order to possess it. And in that sense, we lose it because we we reject it.
1: Yeah. Accepting it essentially means that we have faith to believe that what God says he's accomplished, he has on our behalf, and of course, we serve a a, a wonderful God, a loving God, who says, I will never impose on you. I will never make you do something. It's not forced obedience, and so we still have our own free wills in this activity, and we can take a look at what God has done, and I don't understand why anybody would say, I don't want it, but there are people who, who will say that, who will say, I don't want what God has done, I don't want to believe it. I don't want to. I don't care to believe it, or whatever their excuse is. And God says, "Okay, that's your choice." And so, even though His provision for it is in place, they decide not to receive it themselves, and so they don't. They don't receive the benefits of justification in terms of a subjective experience. Right. Even the worst
0: sinner still is justified by God, but if they neglect to accept it, then God allows them to see the results of the, the consequences of that choice. That's right. So as we start to wrap up this session, the Justification reminds me of this uh, older television show called Quantum Leap, hmm. where the main character is kind of stuck in this time loop and he's kind of traveling throughout time. Uh, every time he changes locations and, and timelines, he, he becomes... Another person, and so he looks like another person, and you know he sounds like them. He essentially is this person, and it's usually a famous person. Like there's an episode about how he became Elvis, and he had to go through this, you know, uh, trial that he was going through. And so that makes me think about what Jesus has has done for us. He allows us to come into His life. He says, "Hey, this is yours now. You get to experience what my life is like." I get to come into your life and look at the situations that you're going through and have my thinking about the way that you can handle these things now. We all know how we would react in certain situations, but for some people it's like night and day. You know, they come into justification and they accept what Christ has done for them and they become totally different people. They they treat other people differently. They're just maybe they're just nice because they've never really had the capacity to care for for somebody in a certain way and it's just amazing to think that the gospel puts us into the actual real life of christ
1: so next time we're going to talk about who qualifies and how we're qualified for this wonderful gift that god has given to us called justification and it's going to help us to realize a lot of what we've talked about today that uh, God just had to, because of his great love for us, just had to pierce through the situation that we're in. And he did that through the redemption or his son, Jesus Christ, in the life that he lives.
0: Thanks for listening. Visit AdventistCityMinistries.com for more resources, including a study guide, reference compilation, and free downloads of our book, The Ephesus Model. You can also listen to other presentations and episodes of this podcast. See the show notes for links and more information.